0: Luke is where we're going to go this morning. You guys doing good? Everybody good? Okay. So, so several months ago, eight or nine months ago, um, I, I got one of these. Does anybody know what this is? I'm just curious. Have, have you ever seen this before? It's, it's, a, it's a flip. Yeah, you know, you punch buttons, you talk to somebody, that's it. No internet, no anything, just flip phone. And uh, several months ago, I, I got rid of my iPhone and I got this this flip phone and if you ever want to either be judged or have an amazing conversation piece, just get one of these, because you pull it out and people are like, what's wrong with you? Or how awesome, I'm jealous. You know, that's the two responses I always get. And the, the conversation that, that always spurs up is people say, hey, um, what do you miss most? Like, what do you miss most about your days of living in the glory of iPhone land? And there's, there's a lot of things that I miss, but undoubtedly the thing that I miss the very most is the GPS system. And uh, somebody else told me, like, I had, I had no idea how terrible I am at Directions. It's terrible to admit that, but um, I remember I got rid of that phone, and a couple of days later, I had to, to go preach in Alabama, and because they need Jesus. We all know Alabama needs Jesus, and so <laughs> I, was, I was going down to preach at this this small little church, and in the middle of nowhere. And so I got online, because I don't have a GPS anymore, I got online and, and I punched in the directions and then I printed them out. Is anybody old enough to remember when you used to do that? Yes. Which is like way more dangerous than texting and driving because you're now reading and driving and you're punching the odometer to see how many miles you've gone and, and that's the world we used to live in. And so I print off these directions and I'm driving down to Alabama. And about halfway through the journey on these little back roads, I run into this like construction roadblock and there's this detour. And I went, uh-oh, like <laughs> I did not account for a detour. Like uh, I printed off the one and only way I know how to get to and from this place that I've never been. And so I, I, I get totally lost in the back roads of Alabama and I stop and do something that I haven't done in probably 10 years. I stop at a gas station. And I walk in to ask the person behind the counter how to get to where I'm going. They used to know those sort of things. That's what you would do if you got lost. And so uh, I went in and I asked the guy the question, hey, how do I get so-and-so? And he said, dude, just put it in your phone. And, and I pulled out my phone and showed it to him. And he said, it's uh, kind of your fault, man. Like, that's kind of on you. And, and he was just totally like unhelpful. And then this, there's this really sweet lady that had compassion on me, and she starts telling me how to get to where I'm going and all these sort of things. And over the course of the next couple of hours, I repeated that scene over and over and over. I'd, I'd get lost, I'd pull over, I'd ask a question, I'd experience apathy, indifference, <laughs> anger, hostility, <laughs> compassion, all these things. And I began to discover that there are a wide variety there's a wide variety of human responses to my lostness, that people respond in a variety of ways to my lostness. I remember seeing this unfold last year, if you kept up with the, that uh, soccer team in Thailand that got trapped in the cave, is one of the biggest news stories of 2018, uh, last June, these... 12 boys and their 25-year-old coach, they get stuck in this cave. They went just exploring kind of harmlessly after soccer practice, and there's a flash flood that filled the cave. They got trapped in there for 14 days. And over the course of the next two weeks, it became just the most extensive and one of the most expensive and kind of like news cycle stopping moments of the entire year. You know, rescue teams from seven countries, a thousand workers over the course of 14 days. One guy lost his life trying to rescue them. And they pulled all of these kids and their coach to, to a safe rescue. And it was in that moment of rescue that all of the human responses to lostness started coming to the surface. All of the normal people celebrated, like, this is amazing. But then all of a sudden, it was like the cynics and the critics and everybody started, like, wait, well, how'd they get down there? Whose fault was it? How much did it cost? Was it, was it really worth all the, the energy and, and all of the effort? And it was in that moment that I was just reminded that there's a lot of, responses to lostness. There's a lot of responses to lostness. But in the kingdom of God, there's just one right response. There's just one right response in the kingdom of God. I love this, this moment in Luke 15. Jesus is surrounded by a wide variety of people. He's surrounded by the religious elite. He's surrounded by the religious outcasts and everybody in between And he begins to remind them of this search and rescue mission that he's been sent on to seek and save the lost. And all of the various responses begin to bubble up immediately. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. He says, there's a lot of human responses to lostness, but there's one divine response to lostness. And let me make sure that you as my people know which way I want you to go on this. And for the next month, I just just want us to to dig into that together. And I love this. It starts in Luke chapter 15. Open your Bibles, starting in verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners, those were the spiritual nobodies, were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those were the spiritual somebodies, began to mutter to themselves, they said, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Like this, it's the, it's the biggest insult they could think to give to Jesus was that he was kind to the outsider. So it says in verse three, then Jesus told them, this parable. Now, I love this moment because every night, Sydney and I tell stories to our boys in an effort to put them to sleep. But Jesus told stories in the gospels to wake people up. He'd look at them and he'd say, hey, you're sound asleep. You have no idea what God's trying to do. He says, let me tell you a story. I'm going to stir you. I'm going to energize you. I'm going to provoke you. I'm going to challenge you. And so as as you listen to the story that Jesus is about to tell, I want you to allow the Spirit of God to just provoke whatever needs to be provoked. And so each week we'll look at one of the stories. He starts telling this one, verse four. He says, suppose one of you has a 100 sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. So I love this. Jesus, he was a master storyteller because he knew that stories shaped the human heart way more than just some black and white points. He'd give us these stories that would just kind of, uh, like, cause us to see the world and ourselves and everything in new ways. And so he begins, the first story that he tells is this story about a shepherd and his sheep, which is really important symbolically because in the ministry of Jesus, the dominant metaphor that he used to describe those people that already kind of knew the story of God were sheep. It was the dominant metaphor that, that he uses. I'm convinced that if Jesus was standing here physically among us in front of us this morning, maybe he would start the story this way. He'd say, hey, there was a huge group of people that all grew up in church, but then some of them started wandering away. That's the heartbeat of this first story that he begins to tell. And I love this because he says, here's the deal. He says, he says, the sheep, the, the, this one, it gets lost out in the open field. And, and here's what's beautiful about a sheep is, is sheep don't rebel. You know, like this sheep didn't wake up that morning and go, man, I'm gonna pick up a drinking habit and run away from the shepherd and like squander all my stuff. That's the younger son that we'll look at in a few weeks. Like sheep don't rebel, sheep wander. Like, they're not innocent, so I don't want you to hear that. They're not innocent, but sheep are often ignorant. And they step into things that they don't understand what they're stepping into. They get into messes that they don't understand that they're getting into. And before long, they look up, and no longer is the shepherd anywhere to be seen. Or no longer is the fold anywhere to be seen. They're not where they used to be. They're not where they want to be, and they have no idea how to get home. Have you ever been in one of those moments before? We go, man, I'm not where I used to be. I'm also not where I wanna be. I didn't plan this. I didn't wake up and go, man, I'm gonna get distant from God. But somehow in the scope of time, of life, of the the ups and the downs, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I wanna be. And I just don't know how to get home. That's the heart of the sheep that's wondered. It's, It's what some of you are experiencing in the room. There's some of you, there's somebody in this room, you've been in an emotional affair for two months. You didn't wake up two months ago and say, hey, this is the season when I'm gonna shipwreck everything I've worked for. But things were tough at home and you were exhausted and the banter in that meeting at work was kind of lively and then the text exchange, and then the the project you had to work on, and all of a sudden you're going over to her building just to see if you can run into her, or you're stopping by his desk just to be affirmed for how you looked at there, whatever it is, and all of a sudden you recognize, hey, I'm not where I used to be, I'm not where I want to be, and I have no idea how to get home. It's the sheep. It's what we experience. You know, some of you are going, man, I, I, I never expected to be caught up in this substance addiction that I'm in. It just started, I'd casually drink with a few of my friends, only on the weekends. We'd never drive, we were safe, we weren't hurting anybody. It was just harmless. And somehow along the way, over the years, I've gotten to the place where I cannot fall asleep unless I've had a couple of glasses of wine at night. you go, how did I become so dependent? I'm not where I used to be, I'm not where I wanna be, but I have no idea how to get home. So some of you are experiencing, you look back and you go, man, in high school, I was on fire for the Lord. In college, I was on fire for the Lord. In my early 20s, I was on fire for the Lord. But that job and the kids and the exhaustion and all of these things, somewhere along the way, I got off track and I'm just kind of existing and I'm not where I used to be and I'm not where I want to be and I have no idea how to get home. This is the heart of the sheep that's wandered. And there's this moment where where, where the sheep begins to to wake up and go, man, I don't know how I got here. I didn't mean to get here, but I'm waking up to the reality that I'm in a place that I don't want to be any longer. I remember when I was in college, Aaron Etheridge, the campus pastor, he went to college in another state. We've been friends for a long time. And I remember one night he drove through Nashville and we're like, hey, let's take a spontaneous road trip to Chicago because that's what you do when you're sophomores in college. And we didn't have any money, didn't have any plans. We're like, let's hop in the car, let's, let's drive to Chicago. And so we drive all, to, all the way to Chicago. We get there, we walk around all day, didn't have any money, didn't know what we were doing, but just walked around Chicago in the middle of the winter, because that's a good plan. And then we, we get to the end of the night, and it's like one in the morning, and, and I try to talk some hotel into letting us pay a discount rate, didn't work, you know. And so we're like, we don't have any money, we've got we've to drive back. And so we get in, the, get in the car to make the drive back on no sleep after walking around Chicago all day. And so we started driving back to Nashville. And the next morning, we, I just remember waking up, we're in this parking lot in Indiana, our car's running, the heat's blasting, we're wearing our jackets, we're sweating to death, and I kid you not, there is a goat looking in our window. Like, just a goat, like something out of a movie, and there was no alcohol in the making of that story. Like, we just, we had this moment where we look at each other, and I'm like, dude, how do we get in this parking lot, dude? Did we ever have a conversation about stopping for the night or pulling? No, I was like, did we kill somebody? Like, how, how did the car get here? And I go, that's, that's the feeling of the sheep. The sheep is going, how'd the car get here? How'd I end up here? I, I didn't plan it. I didn't want it. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be. I have no idea how to get home. There's some of our stories in the room. And I think we find ourselves wandering as sheep primarily by two, by, by two big reasons. The first is we just get distracted. We get distracted by job and relationship and work and life and the pursuit of pleasure and comfort. And without even meaning to, Jesus moves from being in the first seat in our life into the second to a sidebar. And without even meaning, all of a sudden, our heart is allured to the greener pastures of something else because Jesus is no longer in his rightful place as the shepherd. Sometimes we get into that place of wondering because we've gotten distracted, but sometimes we get into that place of wondering because we've been deceived. We've been deceived, and we start to believe a lie about God, or we believe a lie about ourselves, or we believe a lie about others. Have you ever had one of these moments where you just start going, man, I know that God's loving. I know he forgives people. I just don't know if he loves me. I know that God's gracious. I know that he's merciful. I just don't know if he's gracious and merciful to me. Or you start to believe a lie about community that, man, in this room, I'm on the outside. There's some of you that are sitting in this room. You came in today, and your posture was, I don't belong here. These people don't understand me. If they only knew what I'd gone through, then they wouldn't be this happy. And I'm just telling you, that's the mindset of a person that's wandered. And without even meaning to, like sheep, we find ourselves, we we go for the greener pastures and we discover they're not greener. And all of a sudden, this thing that we've wandered into, it has taken us further, it has kept us longer, and it has cost us more than we ever imagined. And we just go, man, I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I wanna be. And I have no idea how to get home. And Jesus looks out of the crowd, he says, man, there's there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you that, like sheep, you've wandered away. But here, here, here's the good news, is this story is not about a lost sheep. In fact, I, I think in your Bibles, the, the title, the subtitle above this part of Luke 15, I think it's an incorrect subtitle. And I know that may sound sacrilegious, but those subtitles are not divinely inspired. Those are written down by people to help us find our way around the Bible. I don't think this story should be called the lost sheep. It should be called the great shepherd. Amen. Because the story is not about a sheep that gets lost. The story is about a shepherd who's better at finding you than you are at running. That's the story. Like, like Jesus doesn't show up and say, hey guys, here's a story. Sheep got lost, got stuck on a crack, a wolf ate it, so don't ever leave the fold. <laughs> you know, that'd be like one of those weird nighttime stories you tell your kids. Like, you know, like, like it, that, that's not the story. What's the story is, is the sheep has gotten lost. It didn't mean to get lost, but the shepherd is better at finding than you are at running. I love this, he goes on to talk about the shepherd. I'll just go through this really quickly. I just want you to know four pictures about the great shepherd. Number one is he notices. He notices. He notices that the one sheep has gone missing. I love how Jesus tells the story. He says, he says, hey, if you had 100 sheep and one went missing, wouldn't you notice? And I'm thinking, well, Jesus, I've got three kids, I lose them occasionally, and I don't always notice, so <laughs> I don't know, you're giving me a lot of credit here. And Jesus is saying, hey, maybe you've been forgotten by your family, maybe you've been forgotten by your church, maybe you haven't been at Ethos in six months and nobody called you, but do you know who noticed? The Lord did. The Lord noticed. The moment you went missing, his eye was on you. He noticed, and I love this this picture of the shepherd. In the midst of our wandering, he's a shepherd who who notices. But he's not just a shepherd who notices, number two, he's a shepherd who goes. He goes. He goes. He doesn't stand on the edge of the sheepfold and blow his little sheep whistle. <laughs> you know, like, he doesn't stand and call his name. He doesn't do what you do when your dog goes missing and you yell and you curse and you get angry and drive around. It's like, what's he do? He, he leaves and he goes looking. Jesus says, This isn't about your lostness. It's my, about my ability to find you in the midst of your lostness. When you go missing, I notice when you go missing, I come after you. And the moment that you went down the dark path, some of your feet are travailing right now. The Lord is right behind you with a flashlight. The moment you went missing, he he came looking. He notices. He goes. Number three, he joyfully carries us home. I love that moment. He, He finds the sheep out in the field. He doesn't kick the sheep. Doesn't yell at the sheep. Doesn't cuss at the sheep. Doesn't put a leash on the sheep. Doesn't go home and put one of those invisible electric fences around his yard to keep the sheep in. Like like he finds the sheep and he joyfully, he joyfully lifts the sheep up and puts the sheep on his shoulders. It's this symbolic moment of him saying, hey, listen, in this place of wandering, you found yourself entangled in shame. Let me put the shame on my shoulders and I'll carry it back. Uh, This is one of the, the, the clearest pictures of the gospel to me is the sheep gets lost, it's not where it used to be, not where it wants to be, it doesn't know the way home, so God comes all the way to the sheep and doesn't even make the sheep use its own legs to get back into the fold. Think about this past weekend. Our family, we were like, man, I wonder what hell would feel like. And so we went to Opry Mills on a weekend and said, let's just walk around. <laughs> like, let's like, let's just kick it for nine hours in the mall. And so if you're not saved, today's your day. Be saved, like, it was bad. And we're walking around the mall and my youngest son, Judah, four years old, he just, he gets tired and he's like, I don't wanna walk anymore and he falls down. and He's like, carry me, Dad. And so I carry him for a little bit and then he gets heavy and I'm not, I'm clearly not very strong. And so I'm like, dude, you gotta use your legs. Yeah, you got use your legs. And I just love this because if Jesus showed up to the wandering sheep and said, hey, you got yourself in this mess, you've gotta walk yourself back, none of us would fault him for that, right? Like, none of us would fault Jesus if he said, hey, you need to learn your lesson, walk back with me. But the reality is the lesson is learned in the moment of entanglement. And Jesus shows up, and the only lesson that he wants to teach you is that he himself carries you home. Maybe it took you 10 years to get lost, but in a moment you can be found. It took you 10 years to get in this mess. It took you six months of blowing off those habits. It It took you six years of, you know, Entering into that relationship, you didn't need to be in. It took you all that time, and Jesus says, but in a moment, you can be found. And yes, there will be a journey back, but the journey back will not be made alone, and it will not be made in your own strength. It will be made on the back of Jesus himself. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. He says, here's the shepherd. He notices. Here's the shepherd. He goes. Here's the shepherd. He joyfully carries you home. And number four, here's the shepherd. He celebrates he gets back and to the sheep and he's not like, hey guys, Dave's back again, can you just tell him? He <laughs> comes back in and he's like, let's party! I want you to think how crazy this would be. I mean, think about this, like in the context of human relationships, if, if, if one of your siblings just kept running away and just wrecking their life and every time they came back, your parents just threw a party. Hey, I, I, know, your, I know your brother's just been wrecking the family, but he's back, let's party! That's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. That's it. That's it, there's none of this like tiptoe your way back in stuff. Christ comes all the way, he carries you all the way back. And that's that's the heart of the good shepherd. Jesus says there's all sorts of ways we get lost, there's all sorts of response to lostness. But when it comes to my heart towards the lost, this is what I feel. And we as a church, we have to decide like, okay, are we with Jesus on that? Are we with Jesus on that? And so as you wrestle with this story, I just wanna ask you, like what part of the story do you identify with? Some of you are sitting here and you're going, man, I may identify with the wandering sheep. I just wanna give you a couple of questions. You can process these later on today or this week or with your friends in a freedom prayer session with one of our pastoral team. But I'll just give you a few questions. Number one, if you're trying to discern whether or not you may be wandering right now, just ask you, have you stumbled into anything a habit, a behavior, a relationship, a choice? Have you you stumbled into anything that for whatever reason you can't seem to get out of now? Have you stumbled into something that felt innocent on the surface, but it's just, it's kept you tied up? Maybe it's a distraction, maybe it's a deception, maybe it's a way of life. Have you found yourself in one of these moments where in your heart of hearts you're going, I'm not where I used to be, I'm not where I wanna be, and I have no no idea how to get home? It's one of the questions, this is one of the things that you have to process as you're thinking about whether or not you may be in a season of wondering. Don't just think through the lens of, yeah, I got saved when I was 15, so I, of course I'm not wondering. He tells this story to people that knew the story. He says, are you wondering? The second question is, what has your view of God been like in this season? Here's what I found is so often, whenever I get in these seasons where I'm wondering, when I'm out in the wilderness, My view of God tends to to shift in one of two directions. I either begin to believe that he's really distant and that he would never, like his mercy would never extend to a person like me, or I get really cynical of any good thing that I hear about the Lord. And I go, if you're marked by this self-deprecating mindset, or if you're marked by this cynical mindset, you may be, I'm not saying you are, but you may be in a season of wandering. Have you gotten into anything that's Taken you further, kept you longer, cost you more? Has your view of God shifted? Number three, kind of a third question for you, is how has your view of Christian community been impacted in this season? I have found that when I am on the outside of the fold, like when I have wandered into the wilderness, there's this tendency for me to view places and people like this with cynicism, skepticism, and arm's distance. I go, man, if only they knew. If only they'd been through what I've been through only they could feel what I feel man they wouldn't be like this and it's one of it's one of the dominant mindsets of the sheep when we're wondering so the question is maybe you're sitting here and you're going man I identify with that one lost sheep how in the world how in the world do you get home I just want to give you just two really practical things this isn't a formula it's a framework number one like if you think you may be that one sheep number one you just call out to Jesus what do sheep do when they're stuck? I mean, they use their little sheep hooves to like, try to get themselves unstuck. Like, they, they don't do it, like when sheep get entangled, they cry out with that little sheep voice, bah, you know, it's a terrible sheep voice, you know, but <laughs> they, they, they cry out and the shepherd comes looking. What do you do if you think you may be wondering right now? You cry out to Jesus today. Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Would you find me and would you bring me home? First starts, you just call out Jesus. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I want to be. I have no idea to get home. Would you find me and would you carry me home? You call out to Jesus, but it's not just about calling out to Jesus. Secondly, if you think you may be that lost sheep, it's that you, you open yourself up to someone in this room. You really open yourself up to this community. You let people in, you let somebody in on the journey. Because what I love is Jesus goes and finds the lost sheep, and he doesn't bring the lost sheep back so they can have this one-on-one relationship by themselves for the rest of their life. What's he do? He brings the sheep back, and he puts that sheep in a what? In a community. And so part of this journey is going, hey, how do do we do this communally? If you don't know anybody, man, we've got a pastoral team. We've got freedom prayer. You can go online, ethoschurch.org, sign up for freedom prayer, and we love to pray through this stuff with you. It's what we do. Some of you are going, man, I'm not where I used to be, not where I wanna be, don't know how to get home. Call out to Jesus and let somebody in. There's some of you, though, that are here and you're going, I think I identify maybe with the 99. I'm not out in the wilderness right now. I feel pretty good. Like, Jesus, what do you invite me to do? And I think there's just kind of two simple things. I think the first is that we just really ask the Lord, okay, Lord, am I the kind of person that celebrates and rejoices when the lost come home? I go, man, may we become the kind of church, you know, I hope God gives us 50 years in the city together, but may we become the kind of church that whenever somebody shipwrecks their life, they go, ethos is the place I wanna go home to. May, may we become the kind of place where all of the mess and all of the brokenness and all of the question is welcomed with wide open arms. May people feel so loved here. And part of this, if you feel like you're part of the 99, is just asking the question, Okay, Lord, what is the posture of my heart towards those that are still on the outside? Do I blame it on them? Am I apathetic towards them? Or do I longingly rejoice for them to come home? So part of it's about rejoicing, but if you're in the 99, the second thing is part of it's about participating. To me, the the elephant in the room around this first little story that Jesus tells is that the shepherd goes looking for the sheep and the 99 did the thing that they were not supposed to do, and that is they stayed where they were. What are sheep supposed to do? Even if you're not a shepherd, you probably know the answer to this. What were sheep supposed to do? They follow the who? Shepherd. The shepherd. They go, why weren't the sheep following the shepherd? I go, may, may we not just be the kind of people that rejoice, but may we be the kind of people that say, hey, Jesus, wherever you're at, man, we notice the missing. We'll go after the missing. We will help you carry home the missing, and we will rejoice when they're back. Like, that is the heart of God. That's the heart of God. And so as we come into this season, as, as we're praying over these people in our packets as we're praying over our church. This is what we're saying, we're saying, hey God, if I'm not where I used to be and I'm not where I wanna be and I don't know how how to get home, would you start this journey off by finding me and bringing me home? And then God, would you put me on a rescue mission with you for the sake of those that don't yet know you? So here's what we're gonna do Uh, every week during Fast Forward. We're gonna take time like we always do to get in groups and to pray. And uh, Cole, would you put the slide on the screen? I'm gonna give you guys some instructions real quick. So on the right side of the screen, you see the number one. Uh, That's for those of you that are going, hey, I think I might identify as the wanderer. And if that's you, I wanna just encourage you to here in a few moments when we get in groups to say, hey, I think I may identify as the one. And here's what I need prayers for. That's kind of your prayer point. Ask people to pray it with you. On the other side of the screen, it says the 99. That's for those of you that feel like, hey, I think I relate with the 99 a little more in this season, and kind of your prayer points are, "Hey, Jesus, would, would you open me up? Would you help me to notice the loss? Would you help me to go after the loss? Would you help me to carry the lost home? and would you help me to celebrate when they return? And so here in a few moments, if you're comfortable getting groups of two or three, if that's not your thing, it's totally OK. You can reflect on your own, you can journal, you can pray. We're going to take about 10 or 12 minutes to do this, and then I'll send us to communion and we'll end with worship. But uh, Lord, I thank you for these men and women. Thank you that we get to be on this journey together. God, would you give us your heart and your response to those that have wondered. In the name of Jesus, I pray, give thanks, amen.